following podcast will contain spoilers and explicit language. And we're recording. I pressed the red button and everything. Um, yeah, now it's really the bright time to start playing my chroma. Right, well, very good welcome. Very good evening, rather, and welcome to Sunday Afternoon Cinema, which, uh, once again, is being recorded on a Friday, with me, Crystal Windsor, and with him, Mike Larkin. Say something different than the usual, Hello, Mike, because you think you're fucking funny. I haven't said that for weeks. That's true, you haven't, actually. That was possibly a bit harsh. So Stereotyping. Really? Is it xenophobic, though? That's the question. Is it xenophobic? It's not xenophobic, it's just stereotyping me. <laughs> I'm saying the, the same thing over and over again, like it's some kind of fucking catchphrase. <laughs> so, I had a good idea. The other week... So he, he claims he had a good idea. Well, hang on, there's a story behind this. I had this idea... Right. I recently went to see um, the Edgar Wright film, Baby Driver. And it's actually not a terrible film. I think, in fact, I texted you the minute I got out of it, Mike, and basically said, this film you was amazing. It, you said it was wonderful. It is, and I still argue that it is. Um, <coughs> Derek, on the Iconoclastic um, podcast, didn't necessarily agree with me. He thought it was flawed, but he didn't think it was terrible. But the thing is, what it did for me is it changed my opinion on films that basically revolve around car chases. Because well, I mean, normally, I don't care about car chasing films. They bore the shit out of me. It's like, look, really, is that all you've got to say in a film? If that's all you've got, then I'm not interested. You're ruining it for me. But I anyway. mean, for, for me, any any movie that's ballsy enough to use Radar Love by, by Golden Earring in the trailer is always going to get... Oh, no, it's, it's a this Films don't get me wrong, but the thing is, I, I don't like films that centre on one particular point, which I really yeah. can't get on board with. It, it's a very strange thing. I have no interest in cars at all. I couldn't give a shit about cars. I don't even have a driving licence. And yet, for some reason, I watch Top Gear like it's the best programme ever made, and when Jeremy Clarkson says, Oh yes, the Ford Cortina 1969 has many, many calipers, and, and it goes from 0 to 60 in 2 seconds. I'm, oh, Yes, I know all about the calipers. It's like, I haven't got a fucking clue about cars. And yet, for some reason, I really enjoy Top Gear. It's, it's, because, it's because they have a laugh. Yeah, that's probably it. But anyway, this drew me on to say, from Baby Driver to the film we're about to cover this evening, which was the, a film that involved a car chase, but didn't rely on it too much for the film to actually be what it is, is the 1969 classic, The Italian Job. I recommend it to Mike. Let's do The Italian Job. I think it's a really good film. I think it's a classic. And then I said, "And why don't we talk let's about?" Let's also the... do the remake. Yeah, let's let's do let's do the two thousand three one for some reason. I mean, now look, Chris, let's, let's yeah. please tell the let's please tell the people at home exactly what I said to you when I you mentioned it. Was crap. Um, well, I said you mean the Marky Mark version. <laughs> And you yeah. said, no, it's Mark Wahlberg. No, that's was, I, was I right or was <laughs> I right? No, 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 no. What I actually said was, now hang on a second, we both agreed that Mark Wahlberg was good in The, in the Departed. We do. But this isn't Mark Wahlberg. This is Marky Mark, not Mark <laughs> Wahlberg. So anyway, I had this really great idea. You know what? I've never seen the Italian Job, the 2003 version. I knew very little about it. But I thought, you know, but the thing is, I've said this before, and I think I might have said this to you as well, Mike. Is I don't like judging a film unless I've actually seen it. 
Yeah. Like, okay, I don't think it's fair to judge a film before I've actually seen it. I think it just makes me come off like an idiot. Because it's like, oh, I didn't like that film. Really, which part? I don't know. I just didn't like it. Well, fuck off. That's not, a, that's not an yeah. actual valid opinion. And I'm sorry, but if you're going to say that to me, I don't want to hear it. Because you don't have an opinion. You just don't. So, Italian Job 2003. I don't want to completely start slagging off this film, Mike. So let's try and at least look at some of the positives. Because I honestly I mean, think there were some good positives about this film. I mean, th this film has got an amazing... This It should have been so much more than it was. Yeah. It's got an amazing cast. There's how many Oscar winners in it? Exactly. I mean, just to go through the cast very quickly, I know we do. We usually do this for half of the film, but look, to be honest with you guys, we're probably not going to cover a massive amount of the storyline tonight because we've got two films to do, and we're going to try and get it done in less than two hours, so we might not focus on the first one nearly as much as we will on the second one. So, the 2003 Italian job, you've got Mark Wahlberg, you've got Charlize Theron, you've got Donald Sullivan, Jason Statham, and Seth Green, and Edward fucking Norton! As well as, well, as, well as most death. Or Yazlan Bay, as he's now called. Uh, I wasn't. I didn't even know who that was. Do you know who that is? Um, he was a singer, turned to acting. He was in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Right. The, the movie version as before Prefect. I mean, is is he a fairly established, fairly well-known actor? And I've just never seen him before. He's been been in quite a lot, you know. Yeah. Um, let me just have a look at his, at his resume. Um. Yeah, hip hop artist originally. Um, he's been in, I say, Hitchhiker's Guide, Sixteen Blocks. He was in the TV series Dexter. Um, let me just Talladega Nights. You might not have seen Hitchhiker's Guide as mentioned. I've not seen Hitchhikers, but I think I might have seen a bit of Talladega. That word. Talladega Nights. That's the one. Thank you. Um. You know he's been he's been in quite a bit, but never as a as a kind of major star. If you if you see what I mean, yeah. Not as a major actor. He's always been a kind of supporting actor, mm. but he was very funny in Hitchhiker's Guide, and you know that's that's actually quite a good film. I I enjoy that myself. I have heard a few things about it. So, let's at least talk about the basic storyline of the Italian job, the 2003 one. By the way, we are going to refer to it like that, just because otherwise we're going to get confused. So, the start, and by the way, spoilers from the outset, if you've not seen either of these films, go away, come back, we're going to spoil the shit out of them. So, don't watch, uh, don't watch the suit, the, uh, yeah. watch it, but don't blame us. <laughs> so, the storyline of the 2003 version, there is a masterful heist going on um, in Italy. Venice, I believe, because it's got many, many... Um, yeah, Venice, yeah, canals. And the, it seems like it's the perfect crime. Um, a bunch of guys get together to steal a safe from someone's house who you don't know, and they paint a roof which somehow makes explosives stick to it, which is kind of impressive. And then they blow up the roof, and then the safe <coughs> falls down two levels, which, again, is quite impressive. And goes into the Venice Rivers. Then... Canals. Canals, rather. Thank you. <laughs> then there's a boat scene, which is very impressive, where a safe is seen on the boat. And the police say, Ah, that's the safe! Catch the safe! So they go after the safe. But there's a twist. And we all know that we all like good twists. The safe is actually in the canal, shipyard, whatever you want to call it. Mark Wahlberg 
as Charlie Croker and we'll get there in a minute. And Donald Sutherland, who played John Bridger, Rick Brinkley, we'll get there in a minute, managed to break into the safe, steal the gold, they go off, hurrah, everybody's won, everybody's happy, aren't we wonderful, we've got the gold. They all stand around in the middle of a snow top for some reason and say, ah, oh, what are we going to do with the money? They all start driving away, and then it turns out that Steve, played by Edward Norton, turns around and says, fuck you, give me your gold, I want the gold, and so it goes from there. So that's the basic premise of the Italian job. They then set up another job because they want revenge on Edward Norton, um, on Edward Norton's character, because he kills the Donald Sutherland character, John Bridger. That is the start in a nutshell. I, I can't be bothered going into much more of the story I mean, from there. Mike, I mean, do you want to take the reins on this? Basically, you've just you've just done my job for me. Um, it's 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 not. It wasn't ever going to win any kind of Oscars for the best screenplay because let's face it, it's 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 just not. It's not. No. They, it, I mean, yeah. I mean, the Italian job as referenced in the site. Oh. Is literally the job that happens at the beginning yeah. in the first five minutes of the movie, which you and, barely see and barely understand why they're doing it to begin with. Well, to get rich. Yeah. Um, but it's. I mean, this is a, for me. This is a revenge movie. It's not. It's not a crime caper like the original Italian job was. The original Italian job was light and funny. This one's quite dark. In places, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's it's well directed. There are some great action set pieces in it, but it feels like uh, what is it? An hour and fifty one minutes. Yes. It feels like a very long trailer for BMW, who just uh, just re released the 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 mini at the time. Yeah, yeah. And that I mean. If, if that's what it was, if it was just an advertising gimmick, it works very well as an advertising gimmick. But as a movie, as something to enjoy, no. It could have been called something else entirely, and it would have worked. If it, if it, I think they were trying to cash in on the love for the, for the original, which, the, I mean, I grew up watching that every Christmas it was on. And the fam, my family would gather around and watch it because it was good family entertainment. It was it was a fun movie. This one is just I, I don't know if Michael Bay's involved somehow. He, he's it feels not. like he should be. He's not. I mean, the thing is, right? As as you as you say, it's got an. I don't understand the need to call it the Italian job. Because that automatically sets it up for failure. It really yeah. does. It ruins it before it's... Because you've got one of two people. You've either got people who think, oh, this is a really good idea, they're going to remake the classic from 1969 that we all loved, or you're going to have another set of people who are thinking, why are you doing this? What's the point? What are you bringing to this that we've not already seen before? And the problem is, it doesn't seem to know that. It doesn't seem to understand this. You, you, you have so many things that are brought up from the original that are sort of put into the remake, but aren't at the same time. It, it hints towards it and then references it. I mean, I don't... I mean, you've got obviously the same character names in Charlie Croker, you know, Mr. and the Bridges. 
But then it references the movie, the original movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah it, it actually... Yeah, in fact, it, in fact, Mike, if you can just bear with me, I just want to pause this for a second, because I just want to get my notes, because I was making some notes during this. So I'm just going to pause this, and I'll be two seconds, Mike. If that's okay, okay. Cheers. <laughs> and we're back. I've, I've, I've got some I've got some notes now. Okay, so I'm gonna just bring up some things and we'll see how Mike reacts to this. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll see what's going on. Okay, so this safe breaking that they go through at the very beginning, it's very meticulous. It's obviously very well shot. But it just reminded me of a cheaper version of Ocean's Eleven, which was actually a good remake. And not exciting at all. I just found it boring and I didn't care. I didn't know any of these people. Therefore, why should I care about them at all and whether they succeed? Yeah, I mean, what do you there, say, Mike? there was really no setup to the job or any of it. And it was all leading towards, you know, the double cross. And at that point in the movie, you're like, well, these guys are all criminals anyway, so why should I care? Um, they've not done anything to endear themselves in any way. I mean, we know that Donald Sutherland's character has a history with Mark Wahlberg's Charlie Croker, but beyond that, there's nothing, there's no depth to it. Um, and one of the things I th- I've always thought about this movie is that it's a lot of style with no substance. substance. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing I've written down, corny celebration scene, which I've already mentioned, when they're standing on the mountain, presumably drinking Don Perignon or whatever it's called, and they're saying, oh, I'm going to buy a Maserati. Oh, I'm going to get a house and fill it with books. It was an Aston Martin vanquish. Whatever. Oh, I'm going to I'm going to buy a, a stereo that has massive speakers that can rip a girl's clothes off, which we're going to get back to. In fact, remind me to mention that later, because I found that incredibly annoying. What do you think of the Corny Celebration screen? How amazing was that? Oh, that was right out of no good film that no, I've seen. It wasn't. It was <laughs> shit, wasn't it? It was just annoying. Yeah, I, I mean, it kind of feels like the producers thought, well, fuck it, we're going to spend all this money to go to Italy anyway. Hmm. Why not get them up into the Alps? Which, by the way, at that, at that height, that temperature... They would be freezing their balls That's, off standing outside for that gonna, long. I was going to say that exact same thing in just a minute. Uh, but my next note was Edward Norton a heel. How could they do that to Edward Norton? I love Edward Norton. That is not don't, fair. Yeah, but at the time, don't forget, Edward Norton was playing quite a lot of... Not villains, but villainous types. Um, I think it was around the same sort of time. Have you seen Rounders? Yes. I really liked him in Rounders. I mean, I know he was a bit of a scumbag, but he wasn't a bad bloke, ultimately. I mean, I mean, he was he was in this, basically, because he was contractually ob- obligated to. Was he? By, he, by Paramount. Oh, um, that's just he, He'd signed a deal with them back when he made, um, let me see, when he made Primal Fear back in 96. Wasn't there something similar that happened with Bruce Willis making Armageddon? No, I think he did that for the money. What a twit. Anyway, okay, <laughs> so, yeah, going back to your point, 
So when Donald, Donald Sutherland and everybody gets shot, they go underwater and they think, okay, if we hide under the car, it will stop the oxygen bubbles coming up to the surface so they won't know we're dead. Now that's fair. That's reasonable. In fact, I seem to remember I read that in um in a book a few years ago, like a, a thriller novel. So that I can understand. Uh, yeah, but maybe they had to have been under that water if purely in film time. <coughs> I counted it at least sixty seconds. Yeah, if they were underwater in a frozen lake in the middle of the Alps. They'd be dead, or at the very least, have frostbite. The, I mean, we're talking severe hypothermia, and right. you'd probably yeah. go into shock. You know, so, uh, I mean, yeah, you can hold up for warmth afterwards once you clap. But how are they getting out of that river in the first place? Yeah, and they didn't exactly have any towels to dry themselves it, it, off. It was, like, it was like a 20-foot drop into the water off the bridge. They're not climbing up that fucker. And they're in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. It's not as if they can knock on a, on a fucking neighbouring hut or something. No, no. Okay, so my next point, uh, when we follow on after the whole falling into a river and having a, having a jolly old splash around, they used his fucking name! I actually had to rewind this, because I thought I was hearing things. When um, someone turns around to uh, this Stella Bridger character and says, Charlie Kroger's here to see you. And I had a minute and I thought, did I just hear that? So I rewrote yes, it. I said, Charlie Kroger. You fucks! You've actually used his name. Yeah. As if I didn't hate this film already enough. <laughs> You've used his fucking name! Yeah, and I, and I yeah. didn't even know at the time that John Sullivan's character was actually called John Bridger. I didn't know they'd used the name Bridger. And believe me, if I'd known that, I probably would have just switched off there and then and said, you know what? Fuck this movie. <laughs> Fuck you all in the arse. I hate this. Yes. How can yes. you do that? Absolutely. I mean, they're trying to be original while making a remake that's not a remake, that's also a reboot and not. And and you have to rip off character names. Indeed. Uh, Indeed. I mean, I'm sure the screenwriters would say it's not it's not a remake. It's an homage. It's an homage. But yeah. I say fuck you. Um, yeah. It it's a remake in everything in every in every way, yeah. apart from the fact that it's not based in Italy. It's not an Italian job. It's not. Uh, uh, stop me now. Okay, yeah. I will do because I've got some more notes. Um, character Lyle, who's, say, who's played by Seth Green, who actually really likes this, I've got to say. Um, he claims he created Napster as a character. And he wants yeah. to be known as the Napster or something stupid. And three times someone said he claims that, um, that Sean Penn created Napster. Now... I don't know if they couldn't use Sean Parker's actual name. Sean Fang? Was he? Yeah, but they said Sean Penn three times. Did they? They did. I'm sure they did. Because when I heard them say Sean Penn, I thought, what? And then I heard them say it again. Well, it's, it's not I'm pretty Sean sure Penn. they said Sean Fang. Now, I don't... Maybe I misheard this, but I swear to God they said Sean Penn. And I don't even understand why they use that as a part in the film. Anyway, you know, 
Napster was dead years before this. It went down in a haze of glory. Who really cares about Napster? Exactly. Um, what kind of a nickname is that anyway? No, the Napster. Oh, and and let's Napster. face it. Shut up. Let's face it. If he, if Sean Fanning did steal it, he say he saved the guy a lot of trouble. Indeed. A lot of money as well. He didn't get sued by fucking Metallica for a start. Well, Metallica can go fuck themselves, frankly. God, this is a sweary episode, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, people. I know we do swear on this show, but I really didn't think it would this bit. It'd be this bad. Welcome to the Italian job. Pardon I, our French. Yeah, I don't think we'll be <laughs> clever. I don't think we'll be swearing this much when we actually talk about the really Italian job. Okay, next note. Um, breaking into a safe in a bra. Gratuitous as much. Look, I. I think we can all admire Charlie's Theron and the her body. Is, the, I have no particular problem. Of nudity in films, I don't. If it if, it's, a, if it serves the if yeah. it serves the purpose of the story, if it has a point, fair enough. It's like I remember watching um, what was it? It was only out this year. I should really remember this. Um, oh god, this is going to annoy me. Um, it was oh yeah, uh, personal shopper, personal shopper. Right. I can't remember the uh, the lead actress's name. She was in all those um, vampire movies and books that came out recently. Help me out here. Um, um, Keep back and sell? No, uh, the ones you know, um, Moonlight or Twilight or yeah, Twilight. That's it. Oh, um, God, she vortex of personality. Yeah. Well, anyway, Kristen Stewart. Kristen Stewart. Thank you very much. So yeah. In that film, and I can I said about this at the time, there are multiple occasions where Christian Stewart takes her top off for absolutely no reason. Oh Jesus, good God, no! Th- there's no reason for it at all. One of which is to take a heart. Um, to say how many times a heart is beating, you could quite easily do that under a shirt. Uh, I, yeah. I've, I've had my heart taken. They've done it over my t-shirts. They didn't sit there and say, "Go on, then whip your trousers off." Okay. If, I mean, if you if you just take someone's pulse, you don't even need to do that. You can just. Feel exactly. the neck. Exactly. Um, the second one was the new um, M. Night Shyamalan film. Um, recently, where a guy had 23 personalities. Today, he's going to use number 24. Split. I watched that recently. God awful, isn't it? Yeah. And it's the part in that where they've got the two teenage girls, one running around in just in um, trousers and a bra, and another one running around in t-shirts and just their panties. And you'd think. Why not put clothes on them? This is purely gratuitous. It's, and I really hope that wasn't the idea behind that, especially in Split, because if that's the case, that's disturbing. I, I don't think it. I don't think it was. I think it was because I really hope it wasn't. Because honestly, kind of held against the will. If 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 that was if that was pure titillation, then frankly, that disturbs me. But anyway, back to this. Why is she breaking into a safe in a bra? Not I mean, a... did, did she get home and think, oh, I'm going to practice breaking into safes tonight, but it's far too constricted in this jumper. I must do it in my bra. Shut up. No. Put a t-shirt on, love. What? My, my. It's it's far too warm to break into this safe, into this safe oh, wearing a t-shirt. God. Yeah, I, I must shed my clothing apart from my... It's just... I just don't understand it. I mean, I do. I understand perfectly well why they did it. It's to show Charlie's for in a bra. And 
I hope she got that, paid well for just. I mean, that's never a bad thing to see shows that are well, on a bra. I know. But, but look, if it's, I, I always make it save the point of the movie. Exactly, they don't have a point, and, and it didn't, I mean, didn't have one. That's, that's why Swordfish. I think that's why we were all pleased to see Swordfish, because. I don't know much about Swordfish, I've got to be honest with you, but I seem to remember well, Halle Berry. Well, Halle, Halle Berry was topless, eh? Oh. And I, I seem to remember how the point, but anyway, enough about bras. They're sitting around. They're talking about what they're going to do. What are we going to do, Marky? We're going to do the Italian job! No! Yay. Um, it's not, but... Why it's not, it's, would you say it's, that? It's in Los Angeles. It's in LA. No but, the, no, but the thing is that they're referring to the job at the part of, at the start of the film. But why would you say that? Why wouldn't you say the job... The job we, we did, did in Italy? Yeah, the job we did previously. You know, we were so sexual. Or the, ve- the Venice job. Yeah. <laughs> it's just so dumb. <coughs> and we're not even finished yet. Um, okay. Um... What am I going to say next? Uh, okay. I wrote down you can do better things than this. Show. Oh, yes, that was it. Yes. Surely. And to be fair, Seth Green was actually quite funny in this film. I'll give you that. I mean, Seth Green was allowed to improvise a lot, and Seth Green is a very, surely, very funny man. But surely he's better than this. This is 2003. You know, I mean, I know that he didn't have a massive. Um, role in Buffy the Vampire Slayer and he wasn't in it for every single season but god he was a damn good actor and in this he was just so wet yeah I mean I, I like Seth Green a lot loved him in the Austin Powers show was he he was and, Scott Evil yeah but he seems to be your prototypical geek do we need a geek yes we do is Seth Green available? Yes, excellent. Get him in. Is Seth Green not available? Oh, okay. Get Jamie Kennedy, Jamie Kennedy. instead. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so glad you said that. Because actually, <laughs> because actually, Seth Green, despite the fact that he wasn't credited for it, was actually really good in Enemy of the States. He was brilliant. I he he plays that kind of role quite well. I think because he, I mean, let's face it. Um, without without sounding offensive to anyone out there. Um, he's short, ginger, and nerdy. I knew you were going to say ginger. It's one of those defining features, come on. <laughs> no, to be fair, it, it is. And it's probably what gets him a lot of roles because he's distinctive because of it. He and Edward Norton, and even, even Jason Statham, probably, had to be thinking... And I know that you said that Edward Norton was contractually obliged to be in this film. And I don't think that much of Jason Statham, but fair play to him, I know he's a good actor. All three of them must have been thinking, we've got better things to be doing than this. Yeah. You know? I don't understand why Edward Norton and Seth Green signed on to this film. I really don't. Because it can't have helped them. It, it, I think for Edward Norton, it was probably a choice of do this film or get sued for a shitload of money for breaking his contract. And to be fair to Edward Norton, at least he was trying. I mean, you know, I, I, I you know, and 
Oh, c- come on, dude. Did you see the fucking moustache he had? <laughs> the, 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 guy was ha- the guy was a half step away from playing the fucking date rapist. Yeah, but I still think he was trying. He was at least giving it a go. He reminded me of Raul Julia in Street Fighter. At least Raul Julia was trying to do it. Everybody else wasn't bothering. I, I yeah, do think that... Yeah, but Raul Julia was, was an actor. None of the other people in Street Fighter were actors. Hang on a second. Jean-Claude Van Damme was in it! Exactly. But this is not about Street Fighter, otherwise we really will be swearing a lot. I don't think Edward Norton was banned on this. I don't... I honestly don't think he, he was He terrible. wasn't, and I mean, he... He... He plays bad guys incredibly well. <laughs> um, Which I think is a shame, because he kind of gets pigeonholed as the bad guy. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, I mean, you look at his resume, and I'm just going to go on to it now, in fact. Um, where is he? Edward Norton. Here we go. And we've got, obviously, the major one, and we need to cover this soon in one of our episodes, American History X. Oh, God, yes, I think we've got that down on the list, actually. Okay, yeah. That's what we want to see. Um, going back to his earlier movie, Primal Fear. I'm pretty sure you played the bad guy in that. Um, bad guy, a uh, fight club. Can't really say he's a bad guy, but he's not exactly a good guy either. <laughs> um, death to Smoochie. I wouldn't say. Yeah, he is the bad guy sort of, but not really. He is and he isn't. Um, twenty fifth hour. He plays a, a guy about to go into prison. So, bit of a bad guy if he's going to prison. Um, don't remember much about the Illusionist. I'll be quite honest. I don't think I've ever seen that. Um, I've not seen any of the other movies on his list so far. Oh, Sausage Party. He was in Sausage Party. <laughs> I've still not seen that. <laughs> you need to watch it, honestly. I may well give it a go. Okay, so... Listen, let's very quickly talk about the actors involved because we, you know, we, we've okay. We so we've spoken about um, Edward Norton a little bit just then. We've spoken about the fact that we think Seth Green wasn't was probably okay, but frankly, he could be doing better things. Uh, I don't really have an awful lot to say about Jason Statham except that I don't think he's terrible. And in and fact, some Rob. And in fact, he was one of the best things in um, uh, Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh yeah, yeah, and Snatch. And I've still not seen Snatch, but I need to. So, as we said at the beginning, I liked Mark Wahlberg in in The Departed. Why did you hate Marky Mark in this so much? Because I didn't. I mean, I didn't. I didn't love him, but you seem to have a lot more venom towards him than I did. It's 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 because I mean, he's 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 Charlie fucking Croker. They call him Charlie Croker. That for me, that's why, that's why, nah. As, as because, it's before he really became a, a, a decent actor, I think. A, pro, a proper decent actor. And we're going back now to when he was in fucking Planet of the Apes. <laughs> um, which the less said about that, I think, probably the better. Um, I'll just have a look at his actor credits. Uh, 
I mean, he'd been, he'd been, been in a few serious films. He'd been in Basketball Diaries and uh, Boogie Nights. Uh, Three Kings. He was in Three, Three Kings? Yeah. Was he? Was he? Yeah, I remember that with... Um, was uh, George Clinton, wasn't it? Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, he was one of the main three. Um, the Perfect Storm... And then, God, this is this is where he went back to being Marky Mark around two thousand and one. Planet of the Apes. Uh, two of the films I've not seen on his list: The Truth About Charlie and Rockstar. So I've got no idea. I'm guessing he's playing a Marky Mark type character. Uh, and then the Italian Job. Uh, it, it's just um, yeah. It's it doesn't work for me um, calling him Mark Wahlberg in this. He has to be Marky Mark. <laughs> okay, and finally, um, because honestly, you know, well, I suppose we've got yeah, we've got Char- Charlie Swan and Donald Sullivan. So let's talk about Donald Sullivan for a moment. Donald as as Sullivan it, is criminally underused in this. Um, he is. He's a good actor, but let's face it, he's no null coward. He is not Mr. Bridger in this. He's just not. He's not. He's. And he, I think he needed someone. If, if you're going to call someone Bridger in a remake of the Italian Job, by all means, cast someone like Donald Sutherland. He has the gravitas to pull that role off, but at least make it a bigger role. Yeah. Don't kill him. You know, don't kill him off. So I mean, by all, if you're gonna kill him off, because you need that bit of a, we're gonna get this guy back for for Mr. Bridger type of thing, then kill him off. But at least make it worthwhile. Make a character worth something to the audience. Because by the time he gets killed off in this, yeah, you feel kind of sad because Donald Sutherland getting killed, but the character himself. You, you don't really care much about because no, you haven't got to know him. You, you, you barely seen five minutes of him. See, so you, you know, and I think bring, and I think shoving his daughter into the mix doesn't help either. You know, no. you, you he never had a daughter in the original one. She's clearly only brought in um, as a love interest to Charlie Croker. Yeah, um, which we which, did have. I mean, the, the original had the love interests. Yeah. Well, it had, it had plenty of them for Charlie. He was, he was spreading it about a bit, like, a bit of a naughty boy. But, um, that, it didn't focus on it. That, no, it, it wasn't the main point of it, was it? That, that was just kind of, you know, it's Michael Caine in the 60s. What, what's Michael Caine known for? Beautiful women. He, he was a captain, and, he was a bounder, yes. Yeah, you know, he, he, was, he was a man... Bit of a man's man, a ladies' man, and you know all all the women love him. So so it it just basically it played on that bit in the original and Marky Mark Wahlberg, he's a fine actor, but he's no he's no Michael Caine. No. So <laughs> let's put this puppy to bed because honestly, I'm I'm done. I I don't want to speak about this anymore. I I just. I don't normally do this, but I actually did look up reviews for both this and the original, just because I was intrigued as to what people had to say about this. Somehow, this got 73% on Rotten Tomatoes, which amazes me. 73? Yes. 
someone's paid them off. Oh, and, and indeed, well, it's, I think, I mean, I don't use Rotten Tomatoes that much. I barely, I use IMDb for a reference point, but I don't use it for reviews because I don't tend to trust them. <coughs> one review I can see, which clearly has been taken out of context, at least I hope it's taken out of context, is Richard and Richard Roper, who used to write with uh, Roger Ebert, and I quote, dot, 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 a real marvel of filmmaking. That had to be taken out of context. Or he was on some really good drugs. <laughs> it's possible. It's possible. So in conclusion, fuck this movie. It's terrible. Yeah, I mean... It's just not... It, it again, gets... Does, does it, gets it, it gets absolutely no love from me. Does it go back... Does it go back to the fact of its name? No. Do you think if it had been called anything else, and if they hadn't used minis, and if they hadn't used these character credit names, it could have been a good film? I think it, I think it could have been, and I went back to, I, This isn't a bad film. I mean, it's well... As I say, it's got a great cast, it's well made, all the rest of it. But it's not the Italian job. I think the thing is that if any, you know, if, if any if people who are much younger than us, I think if they came across this movie having no, in, having no knowledge of the original, having never seen it, they would probably enjoy this a lot more. But you can't erase the fact that they made the Italian job and have called this that just because they clearly wanted to make money out of it. It was a cash grab. Nothing more. It was. It was. Less. I mean, I, I, put a, I put a post on Facebook before saying that we were reviewing these movies tonight. Um, and a friend actually admitted she liked the remake. Because she saw the re- she saw this before she'd seen the original. And that's fair. Which proves, your, which proves what you just said. If you haven't grown up with the original, then you will. It, it is a very entertaining movie. But for me, because the original's got... Everything else this movie hasn't. Mm-hmm. It's got style, panache, it's got a great soundtrack, great cast, it's got humour, and it it grabs you by the wall and fuzzies. It does. You know? It does. So you know what? Let's not waste any more time. Let's let's just go straight into the original and the best Italian Nineteen sixty nine, the self preservation society. It's <laughs> Oh man, what can you what can you say about this film apart from the fact that mini took mini, you wouldn't give them any minis for the for the actual making of it. You have to buy them. Well, let let's start with at least the premise of it. And again, spoilers. So the film opens with a particular character whose name I can't remember, and I do apologise. In fact, I'm not even sure you get told of his um of his name. I think it might be Beckerman who was originally um, seen driving, but again, I could be wrong. You see a character driving through this result. So it's wonderfully filmed in uh-huh. a uh, is it a Ferrari Countach or a Lamborghini? Uh, Ferrari don't make Countach. Uh, I think it, I think it might be a Lamborghini Maiora. You know, because my dad um, absolutely loves this car. It's just it's it's an amazing looking car anyway. It is beautiful car. And, and, uh, it's, 
and it's in a stunning location. It's you know, and it's it's one of the few you know, it, it does that thing that films don't do anymore. I think because they're possibly too afraid to do, which is to have opening credits in the warm up of the film. And the thing yeah. is, it really works in this film's favour because you have these sweeping camera angles of this car going around the road. And then going into a uh, going into a tunnel, and the next thing you know, it gets blown up, and boom! Uh, it crashes into a into a bulldozer. That's right, yeah. Rather unfortunately, and that's the start. And you don't know why, but instantly you're grabbed, and you yeah. need to know exactly what's going on. Fast forward a few years, and you see the original and best Charlie Kroger, played by Michael Caine, getting out of prison. He has been in there for a number of years. I can't remember exactly how many years it's been. Uh, I think he, I think he's been in for two or three years. Yeah, not not a particularly massive length of time, but a yeah. long time anyway, really, isn't it? It's long long enough to uh, to get him released. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and through a course of meeting up with a a female friend that he knew through the original um for the original character that he saw saw that he saw the start of the film, they come up his wife. With a, uh, that's right. They come up with a uh, with a job, the Italian job, the one that's going to make them all the money that they could ever need, that they could ever want in the world. And so Charlie Croker goes to the Mr. Bridget character and says, "I've got this job, but I need your help. I need to try and pull this off." And so they start to bring the and so they start to bring the heist together, and so the film carries on. Now, for me, what really makes this entertaining, you know, and, and I'm going to let you speak in a minute, Mike, I promise. What I love about this the most, and what I think works for it, is the setup of it. Yeah. It doesn't purely go around the heist itself. You have a wonderful setup of it all being built up. I, I love this series of films that Michael Caine is watching, the Charlie Croker, Croker character. I love the series of films that he's watching, um, that are being shown both to him and Mr. Bridger. They're just so wonderfully done and so wonderfully yeah. scripted. Okay, so do you, yeah, do you want to talk about this a bit? Because I've, I've spoken quite enough already. Well, I mean, again, it, it introduces, as you say, it starts off with, um, a, a, you know, sweeping, sweeping the landscape of the Italian Alps, the roads on the Italian Alps with this beautiful car driving it through. It's got... Um, let me just find the soundtrack credits, if I oh, can. on days like these. On days like these, and perform, performed by Matt Monroe. Matt Monroe, folks, if you've never heard of him, he has got a voice that is smooth. It's it's, it's smooth and silk. It's beautiful. And it's got all, all these amazing views of this car driving around these sweeping corners and um, you know it i'm not gonna say that it that it makes you feel anything for this character because it's literally through the opening credits that you get this happening however when he does die you think well that's interesting and then you see kind of the italian mob uh doing away with the body um and that's how we again get introduced to Charlie Croker, getting released from prison. Uh, same farewell to, to Mr. Bridget, played by the wonderful Noel Coward. And Noel Coward in this steals every scene he's in. He, uh, 
I mean, this guy was an everyman. He did everything in in, in movies and theatre and entertainment. And he wrote his wrote his first dramatic play at sixteen. Um, and wrote you know albums, wrote, wrote multiple plays, but he is an actor that lends weight to this movie. Um, playing what what has to be described as a very camp villain. Um, yeah, but he he's not he's not a bad guy. He, no. Which sound which sounds sounds strange me saying it because he's a villain, but he's not a bad guy. He's a very very likable character, which this film has in spades. Where the remake doesn't, the re you don't get likable. I mean, you get characters you can sort of like. As we mentioned, Seth Green's character and Handsome Rob, they're not bad characters. But you, you don't really feel anything but kind of a mild liking towards them. Um, you wouldn't necessarily want to hang, hang out with them, but the characters in the original, you look at them and go, wow, I, I'd want all of these as my friends because they're just cool characters. Anyway, I'm getting off track there. <laughs> no, I, I think I think the thing about the about the characters that you see in this is that it's a very I think it's a very different it's a very different time for bad guys, as it were. Well, here's the thing, because it wasn't it was literally a different era. We're going back to the time of the craze, yeah. I was literally where, about to say the craze, yeah. Where where villains. You know, gangsters, they were both feared and respected. However, they weren't, you know, not like today, today's so-called gangsters who will happily shoot anyone who gets in the way. Back then, <coughs> back then there was kind of a, more of a code of conduct on how you, how you behave. Um, mostly unspoken. But it was still there. There was a lot of respect. If you respected them, you were fine. You know, it, so it was a different age, and um, you know, I, I, I kind of pine for those days in a way because because there was that respect from them. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing is, and I think it, it, I think it's quite summed up in um, a film that I mentioned um, just before, Ocean's Eleven in the characters of Charlie Croker and the other guys. And I apologise, I'm just going to quote this very quickly. Um, it's from the Ruben character where it says, if you're going to steal from Terry Benedict, you better goddamn know the sort of thing that, um, you know, you better goddamn know. This thing used to be civilised. You'd hit a guy, he'd whack you, done. But with Benedict, at the end of this, he better not know who you are or who you're involved with. Because he'll kill you and then he'll go to work on you. He's basically saying, look, they, you, as you said, Mike, they used to be a code of honour among these people. They, yeah. they were lovable characters, as the people yeah. are in this film. I didn't find anybody lovable in the remake. Whereas, you know, all the people that you have in this film, you think, well, yeah, they're a bit naughty, aren't they? But they're not, they're not, they're not murder bad. murderers. They're not you know. Yeah, I mean, they'll threaten it, but it's there as purely a threat. Yeah, I if mean, you do, if you do this, this will happen. There's there's no gunfire in this film. There's no swearing, you know, and it's. I mean, 
you know, and I think the way this is summed up how it's so different today is in one of the scenes where we're in the prison where it's um, proclaims, oh, they've done the job, Mr. Bringer, they've done the job. And everybody, including the guards, are like, fucking well done. Yeah. Nice one, you've done it. We stuck it to those Italians. Okay, yeah. that sounds really racist. Maybe that's what I mean, this, this is something useful to day in a message to me about um, a movie review for The Guardian had described this, this oh, film as being xenophobic. Yeah. I didn't read it. Um, I, I'm going to look up the review now. Um, just to see what, what it does actually say. Yeah. Whilst you're doing um, that, I'm just going to bring a couple of the characters up because there are a lot of characters in this and the problem is, I think, is it's going to... I think it's going to be a bit difficult talking about many of the characters that are in this film and indeed many of the actors because I don't know about you, Mike, but I've barely heard of anybody who's been in this film. I obviously know who Michael Caine is. I know vaguely who Noel Coward is. The only thing I know about Benny Hill is that he runs around chasing women, rubbing his knees. But other than that... I don't know any of the it, other actors in this. It's it's not really um, it's it's not really a a, ca- a cast of stars. It's I mean, I, do you I think mean, that these were? They've all been well, very well known in back back in the sixties. Mm. And uh, Michael King's brother is also in it. Um. I mean, you've got, i say, some well-known actors of day, John Missouri, who you'll remember from um, Dad's Army. Oh, God, yes! I mean, I'm not a massive fan of that film, but yes, I do remember that. I mean, j- just looking at some of the... Uh, just, just very quickly looking at some of the credits. Um, Tony Beckley, um, who plays Camp Freddy, what's he done previously... Uh, he was in a bit. He was in. Well, sadly, he died very early. He died back in the nineteen eighties. Oh, he was in uh, Get Carter. Uh, he was in which is an, the Pink another Pan. great film of Michael Caine's. We need. To, we should review that at some point. Uh, Revenge of the Pink Panther. I know that's a big deal. Um, Doctor Who. He was in a couple of Doctor Who's. Not really a fan, but you know there you are. Uh, what else did he do? Diagnosis murder. Uh, oh god, diagnosis murder. Uh, he was in the TV. <laughs> he was in the TV series of The Saint. Um, not a massive fan of The Saint, but I've heard a lot of good things about. It. And god damn, that had a good theme tune. Now that I think about it, he was also in Jason King. So you know, I've never even heard of Jason King. That's a new one on me. Another kind of spiralized series. Yeah. Uh, Rosa Ro- Rosano Brazi, who played Beckerman, who I still think actually, you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm sure Beckerman is the guy who is in the footage saying this is what you need to do to pull this job off, basically. Um, again, he he sadly died in 1994. Um, what else did he do? He did South Pacific. I've never seen it, but again, I've heard that it's very good. Um, I've heard of a fine romance. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, he was in Heart to Heart. Oh God. Hey. Uh, what else has he got? Who is in Charlie's Angels the again? Love you know the Love Boat. I've never seen that, thankfully. I just know the theme tune for some reason. Uh, what else? Oh, I, 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 I nearly misread that. Thing. I thought it was Police Squad, but no, he was in Police Woman, which I've never heard of. He was in Hawaii yeah. Five O. 
I mean, he's an actor that, from what I can gather, you know, never stopped acting. Yeah, he had a, he had a decent body of work, he's like, I mean... I mean, it seems that from 1938, he was basically doing a film a year up until... Well, the year he died, frankly. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got to... If a man's working consistently for that long... You know, he's he's got he's got to be doing something right, mate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then we've got um, John Lemazia, uh, who, as he said, was in Dazzle. God, he died in nineteen eighty-three. Yeah. Jesus. I I, I, mean, wouldn't I, have I think I think the, I think the, I think the majority of this cast, with the exception of Michael Caine, have, have since passed on. I would have sworn that he was still alive and you and I were watching Dad's Army. I mean, obviously, you know, we weren't watching it there and then, but I... Bear in mind, I'm, I'm older than you, so... True. When I was watching Dad's Army, maybe, but... You know, I, I was four in 1983. I'd just been born. Exactly, so, you know... Yeah. And again, uh, he's, he's another actor that never stopped working. He was consistently working back in the day. I mean, God, just in 1959 alone, he did, like, ten films. Yeah, I mean... You just don't see that anymore, you know? I mean, this is back when, you know, a film had been knocked out in a month. Yeah, this is very true. And we're talking about British movies here, so it's not like there's any major... You know, explosion set pieces or anything. It's uh, it's gonna be like eel and type movies. Yeah, yeah. But you know, and he was a fine, fine, fine actor, Jungle Missouri. I think they all were in their own way. Um, I mean, let's not let's not mistake here. Benny Hill is very much there as even even in a, even in a, a comedic movie full of. Funny characters. He's there as the comic relief. He's the, he's a pervy little Professor Peach. <laughs> oh God, Benny Hill's dead. Yeah, Benny Hill died. Uh, he died just before Freddie Mercury. Jesus. Yeah. I honestly didn't realise he was dead. Yeah, yeah. He... <laughs> okay, so on the okay, so that's really the characters, you know, because as I say, we don't have an awful lot about to say about these characters. All these. And the the thing is, it's not to say that the characters aren't good, because they are. But I think the difference here is it's got such a wide range of cast, you don't necessarily see them as much as you would in other films. But that's yeah. not a problem. That That isn't an upset for me, personally. It, 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 it's not, because um, every actor, even, if, even the kind of not... The ones who aren't big names. In this, you know, they all play a role. They all play a part, and they're all important to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, whereas, you know, the difference between that and the re- and the 2003 film of the same name um, is that you could have easily trimmed three or four of the characters out of that film and not missed them. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. I would agree with that. So let's go back to the story for a second. Because, you know, it, it's all leading up, ultimately, to the heist. And 
the Italian job. Yeah, and and what you see is the planning behind, and that's one of the more one of the most enjoyable things actually um, in the film, Um, including you know testing the minis, seeing how it's all going to work, whether they can take the weight, you know, how they're how they're planning the job that's going to go through it. It's it's quite it's quite a good scene when they're doing it. Um, You also see them getting involved with the Italian mafia, um, which. Again, if you did that nowadays, you probably couldn't get away with it, but it's still, you know, it's still... I've, I've found that movie review, by the way. Oh, um, yeah. Um, interesting reading it. Because <laughs> um, it actually it disagrees inside with us and says the, the remake is better. <laughs> oh, better made, it says. Sorry. Yeah, but... Uh... But, I mean, we're comparing the movie... Made in 1969, exactly. Versus one made in 2003 with a much, 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 much higher budget. Yeah, so like, of course, that's like saying episode one is better than episode four because it had better graphics. You know that means sod all. Yeah, you know, it really does. I mean, where it's off, it's theory. This tops the the 2003. I won't say remake. I'll say film with the same name. <laughs> because that's that's really all it is. Um, because the story, um, it actually does set up characters in such a way that you can't, you do start caring about them, and you you start getting on their side. Because even though the gangsters, the villains, they're not bad guys, and and they, and they are very funny. They you know they they have really good lines and. You, you do care for these people because I think again it comes down to that thing where you don't consider them. It, it's it, go with me on this, right? Back in the day, do you remember when you used to videotape TV programs and films off TV? No, because that was a way you guys never did that. Of course, you do. Of course, you do. And when we and when and when we used to sit on a Sunday afternoon listening to the top forty on Radio One with our fingers on the pause button getting ready to record that next song that we desperately had to have on a tape. And hoping to pause it before the DJ started whispering over the end of it. Exactly. Or when we used to have every single Amiga and ZX Spectrum game just because you happen to have a second disk drive or you have uh, a second cassette, or, or second or a second cassette, cassette tape. Exactly. Now, my point is, we piracy wasn't considered a thing back in those days. It was just what you did. Yeah. I'm kind of losing my train of thought where I'm going here, but honestly, I had a good reason for it to begin with. I think what it is... You were on Sunday afternoons sitting down with watching... Well, it's just... The thing is, you don't. You're behind these people. You you you're on board with why they're doing this. You don't consider it to be, um, you know, what is clearly a very big crime. You know, clearly people are going to lose out from this from this goal being taken. But I mean, it's all, it's all 1969, so it was four million dollars, which sounds like nothing today, but <laughs> yeah. four. You know, it would be somehow billions and billions of dollars worth. Yeah, I'm not sure what that would be. I'm not sure what it would be in today's money, but you know, well, let's face it, that's still a lot today 
in, in fairness, you know. It, it is. It is a lot, but, you know, compared to, you know, some others, it, it's it's not a lot, if you know what I mean. Mm, mm. Um, Compared to, say, the, re- the remake of Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how much they stole in Ocean's Eleven, but yes, you're absolutely right. It would, it, what they robbed back then would be considered a pittance. To be fair. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about the Italian job itself, the heist. It's just wonderful. It's it is so brilliantly choreographed, and, and the way the way it's pulled off, I you got to give them credit for that. Mm. It's because. It's choreo- it's choreographed in such a way, and <coughs> you just think anyone that puts their kind of on into a job, I want them to succeed. <laughs> you know, you you save that money because God, good goddamn, that is some good driving. So to try and describe, and Mike, correct me if I'm wrong here, um, but I'm going to try and recount the heist off the top of my head. It starts by a load of gold being moved from a plane into the back of an armoured truck that is headed towards Fiat. They trap the van in the middle of a series of car par- a series of car jams, rather, which they have caused internally, um, initially, early on in the film. They manage to take the armoured vehicle, move uh, it into... Traffic jams, I think you mean. Traffic jam, thank you. Yes, um, move it into the side, move it into a particular location, block up the door so that no one can get in. They take the gold, put it into the back of the minis, disappear, leaving the armored vehicle in the building. No one has a clue what happened. They get away in the minis. The cops pick up on this, start chasing them. They start going around the top of the building in a circle, and it's just wonderful watching it to the point where they fly off the building onto another one, get away. They then go through a series of um, a series of um, what do you call them? Sewers. Thank you. Sewers. They go through a series of uh, sewers. Tunnels. And tunnels. So the police chase them there. They close a the gate. They can't follow them. They then they then carry on down a motorway, go into the back of a mini uh, into the back of a truck of a bus rather, um, via a ramp type thing. Get into the back. Offload the gold. Off they go, hooray, we've won. I am not describing it in any way justice to this film. I'm simply I'm simply trying to describe it the best I can. It's just glorious. It is. It uh, really it, is. It's a it, it's a proper it's a properly British crime. I think is the, is the be, is the best way I can think to describe it. Um, it's it's cheeky. It's a car chase that the minute I started watching it, I went on to GTA 5 mods, hoping that someone had remade this in GTA. Because Have I they? Wanted, they, no, Technically, no. But I've seen a version of it. And I really want to try it. Fantastic. Because you can't do it in the game, because obviously you can't rob banks in the game unless there are specific heists, so you can't really do it. But yeah. God, I'd love it if... I'd almost like them to make this into a video game. Hell, I'm going to say it. If yeah. they made this into a video game and all the game was, was that, I'd still buy it. Yeah, just that, just the chase. That, that's all he needs. 
That's so, all I need. That's all I need anyway. <laughs> I put my money down for that. So really, there's not much more to say about the story in itself or the characters because uh, it's, it's I mean, a the, very sorry. The story, the story, it's, it's very simple. It's a very simple story. There's, n- there's nothing much complicated about it. No, it just um, does what it's it, meant but to it's do. Exceptionally, what they, what they do with, I mean, I don't know how how many pages the script was or how long it took to write, but what they've done is they've kept it very simple, and yet at the same time, technically brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's such a well well written movie with some some great lines, and not just. You know, it's not just Michael Caine hogging all the glory, getting all getting no, all those inky one-liners, um, which it kind of in the in the in the movie the same name from 2003. Um, I mean, this might have been because because Seth Green was able. He's he's a comedian. He improvises. Um, and apparently F. Gary Gray was constantly wetting himself, laughing at. His constant improvisation, and um, he seemed to get, you know, all the best funny lines when when there were any, and that's probably because he came up with them himself. Most likely, most likely. So, I suppose the next thing to go on to really is, why do you think this film is so beloved? I mean, I I know I know I like it, but. I, I don't think it's incorrect to say that this is probably one of the most loved British films of all time. Uh, we're, we're going to have to talk about Michael Caine, Caine's body of work here because we're going to include his pretty much his entire 1960s catalogue in this list among the, the most loved movies of all time. Okay, come on then. Quick, got, quick, quick question. We, what's, his fav- what's your favourite role that he's ever done? Off the top of your head, don't, don't don't think about it. Just name it. What's his best role? Um, Alfie. Okay, for me, Ebenezer Scrooge in the Muppets Christmas Carol. Yeah, it just is Ebenezer Scrooge. It, it, I mean, I I love I love Muppets Christmas Carol, but but for me, a uh, cheeky Alfie. <laughs> but um. If we go back to, to I say his body of work in the nineteen sixties and seventies, really his heyday. Of course he was in Zulu. Don't of course he was in fo- Zulu. Don't you throw that bloody spear at me. I, I know yeah. I know they never said that, but it's still a great line. Um so we go back to God we're gonna this is gonna take some scrolling. Again, he's never stopped working. Yeah, he hasn't. I mean he's he played played a lot of big roles as well because he obviously Harry Palmer in in series movie series of spy movies, which was kind of his it was it was his James Bond in a way. Um. Let me. So we go back and first role that I'm looking for. So we got Zulu, sixty four, the Ifcris file, uh, followed by Alfie, 
Um, Gambit, the original Gambit, uh, was was remade a few years ago with um, Colin Firth. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've seen that. I didn't know there was a remake actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it was the in Italian job, Battle of Britain. Uh, the man who would be king, which I've heard an awful lot about. Not it's necessarily that it's an especially good film, but he was in that apparently. Oh, the, the man who would be king is a great film, Michael Caine, John Connery. I've been told it's incredibly depressing. It is, but it's a great film. I mean, if it's good, I'll give it a go. Um, I've just never got around to watching it one way or the other. And we've got Get Carter, Jaws: The Revenge, Sleuth, <laughs> which is a a, good, a great little film. The Eagle has landed. God, he was in Quills. He was in Miss Congeniality. Escape to Victory. There's um, a Christmas film for you. Escape to Victory. Fucking Sylvester Stallone playing a footballer. And he was actually quite good in Batman Begins. And indeed Dark Knight. And... I he was, and, and we can't we can't discount the guys. And I think he's been he's been in some properly properly brilliant films. Oh, he I mean, was. Don't wrong, he's been in some shite because, as you say, Jaws the Revenge. And indeed, now you see me. I mean, I didn't hate Michael Caine in Now You See Me, but that was a god awful film in general. Now you see me with. That was yeah. the one about the series of magicians who all come together to pull up a massive bank job. Oh um, yeah. Um, but at the same time, have you, have you ever Daisy Rotten Scoundrels? I've never seen that. I know it was remade, but I've never seen it. Oh, you need to see it. I would have thought it's going in style. God, I tell you what, that's how much that film left an impact on me. I saw that this year, and I forgot he was even in it. He was. Oh, where is it? Where is it? Where is he? Um, without a clue. I've not seen that, but I've heard good things about it. He's brilliant in it. Um, basically, it's it's a comedic take on the on the Sherlock Holmes character. Mm. Um, and Michael Caine plays Sherlock Holmes. Right. It was actually it was actually an actor called Reginald Kincaid. Ah, okay. Um, because Watson is actually the genius behind it all. Watson played by uh, the wonderful Ben Kingsley. Why does Kincaid ring a bell with me? Kincaid? Yeah. What What year is he? I don't know. It's just a character name that really rings a bell with me, and I've got no idea why. Oh, this is going to annoy me now. It might have been... Oh. I can't remember. I'm going to have to try and track down virtually every film that uses the, word King, uses the character Kincaid. Oh, uh, Robocop. That's it. Thank you. Well remembered. Yeah. But why do I know it from Robocop? I don't know. That's the next question. Now I'm going to have to find that out. And by the way, we are going to cover that at some point. <laughs> anyway, I think, we, I think we're slightly off track here, dude. We're going to get to Robocop. Um, Michael Caine. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he's a great, great, great actor. Um, he, he is. He, he is one of the... He, he is... What you would call a national treasure. He, he is an actual national treasure, and you know what? I will have. This should be a national. And I hope he never die. I want him to live forever. Him and Sean, <laughs> him and Sean Connery should be granted their immortality because we, they're that great. 
but the day, the day he dies, there should be a national day of mourning. Oh, I completely agree. I I agree entirely. He's is one he's one of our our nation. He's he's a national hero. He really is. I agree. I agree. Okay, so another one reason why I think a lot of people have said I've seen this film and probably treasure it so much is the simple act of sitting around, usually on Christmas Day with friends and family. After you've had a bit too much Christmas dinner, and either someone's being a bit stuffed, dad's yeah. usually asleep on the sofa by this point. S- someone, someone's got it on DVD or on or on video cassette, or it's or it's on, on the ITV. BBC. Yeah, it's or it's on the Beeb, or it's on ITV. Although strange, I've not seen it for a number of years. It, it was it, it was always on the BBC when I was a kid. It was, wasn't it? Now that I think about it, um, I think it was ever on every, every year Christmas Day without fail. I, it was pretty much tradition. You'd have the Queen's speech and then the Italian job. Because it is... So, I mean, I was watching this the other week um, with my parents. My parents came to see me. And I suddenly remember that I had, I had it on DVD and I hadn't watched it actually since I'd bought it. And me and my father, shall we say, have very different tastes in films. Um, I can't see him wanting to watch The Hateful Eight, for example, on a Sunday evening. But I thought, you know what, I've not seen... I've not seen this in a while. I know he loves this film. I'll slap this on, and we both loved it absolutely. And it is. It is one of those movies that every generation can watch. You know, me, me and my father don't have an awful lot in common, but we both love this film down to the ground, and we can basically quote it word for word. <laughs> and that's that's the great thing about it is after all, all the great quotes that anyone can. Anyone, everyone knows them. Yes. You know, the, just even the final words of the movie. Of the movie, how how many final words of a movie can you remember? Um, I mean, obviously, I remember the, the final lines of this one. I seem to remember it. As, I've got a really good idea, lads. I'm going to hang on, lads. I've got a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> I. Mean, yeah, and I, I don't want to. I don't want to turn this into a massive quote off. And I know you want to do the line in a minute, but one line that really did make me laugh and always does is just remember this: in this country, they're either on the wrong side of the road. And I don't know why it stuck with me, but it has. No, my my favourite line comes at the beginning. Actually, where where he's just got out of prison, he's going going to the garage to retrieve his car. Oh, like, yeah. talking to the garage manager. You must have shot an awful lot of tigers, sir. Yes, I used the machine gun. I watched that. I watched that just earlier, after I watched the, uh, the 2003 film with the same name. Uh, I was laughing. I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. One thing that did confuse me, though, and this has only just come up because of the because of a quote by Mr. Bridger, where they're talking about um, having their great respect, their respects to Great Aunt Nelly. Now they're they're not actually paying respects to any Great Aunt Nelly. They're they're paying their respects to someone that they basically um, have killed. I never no. picked up on that for a while. This, this is a fake funeral. I didn't catch that. Did you? No. This is the funeral is set dressing. Basically, if there's nobody getting getting buried. 
Because remember, he says we need to have a funeral. Ah, we need, you see, we need to arrange a funeral. Right. It's so he can get out. I always to see. thought the reason why they were having this funeral was because you know when they're showing the piece of footage at the very beginning, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm sure it was Beckerman. You see him walking towards the camera. Um, and he turns around to Mr. Bridget and says, and to that Mr. Bridget, all I have to say is good luck. And you can see a man very distinctly in the background who's been listening into everything he's been saying, and you see him walking towards the um, walking towards the camera and figures out that it's the Italian mafia that had been listening in on this entire conversation. I thought the funeral was for the bloke who was describing the plan in the video. No, no, um... Basically, it's, it's it's Mr. Bridger has arranged, as a a bit of a set dressing funeral for his great aunt Nelly, um, who probably never existed or <laughs> dies many many years earlier. Um, <laughs> but I've got the quote here. We've come here to pay our respects to great aunt Nelly. She brought us properly, brought us up properly, and taught us loyalty. Now I want you to remember that during these next few days. I also want you to remember that if you don't come back with the goods, Nelly here will turn in the grave and likely as not jump right out of it and kick your teeth in. <laughs> That's him warning them. Basically, if you cross me on this job, I'm gonna I'm gonna do you over. Yeah, I, I think I, I can't remember the exact line, but I think it's something along the lines of if you don't do this, don't bother coming back effectively. Yeah. And again, and I've said this before. I love the fact that there's absolutely no swearing in this film. You, I mean, you don't need swearing, and it it's a, it's rated you, so. No, it's it, not. It's a PG. It, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure my DVD is a PG. No, I'm on IMDb now. Rated you. Hang on a second. Amuse yourself for a minute. Excuse us, folks. He's going to try and prove me wrong. Meanwhile, a musical interlude. No, my, my DVD says PG. It might be because of some of the features on it. It might be because it was reclassified or something along those lines, but... I've but if you, look, if you look on the IMDb page... Let me have a look. ...for the movie. Uh, oh, oh, why did I press that button? Sorry, I pressed the wrong button. It's not that I don't believe you. I just find it... I don't know. I'm amazed that this is actually a you. That surprises me, I've got to say. Yeah, uh, it's because, as you, as we've mentioned, there's no violence as such. I mean, people die, but it never shows it. Ah, uh, it's not technically it's a U, a U, it's a G. Yeah. We're, I mean, most... <laughs> the, most oh my U's. gosh! Sorry, I, I'm just looking at the profanity, because it's actually on IMDb. It's a 4 out of 10. Frequent use but casual uses of bloody. A few uses of damn and hell. Uh, two, uses, two uses of bastard, one said in Italian. And one of one of um, motherfuckers, but it's barely heard. I can't where, believe they said where that. Where are the profanity reviews? 
Uh, if you look in the certification um, of it, uh, I see all the certifications. There's a few innuendos in this. Under the, this is under the sex and nudity content. A, a man walks into a room full of women wearing nothing but bras and underwear. It is implied the man has had sex with them, but nothing is shown. <laughs> a male character is implied to be a homosexual because we refer to as camp. Well, camp ready. Uh, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it's, it's. I think it's also heavily implied, certainly that Mr. Bridger. Is uh, is is homosexual? I never got that. F I I've got to say that. Oh, well, I mean, I mean, Noel Coward was. Well, yeah, but it never, it never really occurred to me. I mean, I knew it, he he had a bit of a posh it, voice, but I think it, never it comes was anything more than that. I think it comes across in his character. Um, in the, you know, I think he's a he's a. a weird, I think it was Reggie Cray, wasn't it? That was that was the gay brother. I, I what I know about the crazy we on the back of a potion stamp. Um, I I'm intrigued in seeing the film, but I don't really have an awful lot of time for them as it were. Which one? The one with the Kemp's or the one with Tom Hardy? Uh, the one with Tom Hardy that's just been made recently. Oh, Legend. That's actually quite. It's a very good film, and um, Tom Hardy does an amazing job as both brothers. <coughs> well, I mean, Tom, Tom Hardy's a uh, Tom Hardy's a fantastic actor, but but but, but yeah, let's not necessarily um, go on to that. Um, uh, what else have we got here? I'm just I'm just seeing because it does intrigue me why this would get. Because uh, to be fair, if this was probably re-released now, it wouldn't get a PG. I don't think. I think it probably would get you any problems at all. Um, I mean, if you think about it, there are Muppets movies with higher rates with that are rated higher up than this. Although that being said, and well, it's no fucking surprise when you read who did it. The MPAA gave this film a G rating back in nineteen sixty nine, and it's not re been resubmitted since. It would definitely getting a higher rating today. Uh, suggested MPAA rating update PG for some mild action, destruction language, sexual action, sexuality rather. And some language. Well, that's the MPAA for you. Um, well, that's the that's the Motion Picture Association of America. It is. And who don't who don't uh, influence the BBFC? Ah, uh, yes. So the original UK rating was a U, and when yeah. it was re-rated in nineteen ninety-eight, it got a PG rating. Okay. Ah. Uh, that that that'll be why. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, if you know anything about the MPAA, and, you know, I hate them. I hate them as a governing body. And it makes me thank God that we've got the BBFC in this country. And if you want to know why, um, hunt out this film is not yet rated, and it will explain exactly why the MPAA are a hateful organisation that should be taken out. But that's not the Italian job. So, do <laughs> we have anything more to say before we finish? Because I don't... As much as I was looking forward to talking about this, and I have enjoyed talking about it tonight, I don't feel we've given it justice. But I don't we know what we haven't. To say. I mean, we've barely touched on it, and and yet it feels like we've covered as much ground as we can. This film, I mean, I think you'll agree with me when I say this. This film has both style and substance. Oh God, yeah, definitely. 
Definitely. Um, the... 2003 film with the same name didn't have much of either. No, no. Um, it's. I mean, you could have. It could have been. It could have had any gang of actors, and you would have cared just as little about them as yeah. as you would in the in in that version. Um, I, th- I mean, as I say. You've got some great actors, and every actor in the 2003 film with the same name. I really enjoy them in different films. I mean, I, I, just... think, I think that's the reason I really liked Ocean's Eleven so much. Because it, it gave you characters that you actually cared about, and it gave time. And, um, for, and, and, and they, they were actors that enjoyed their, their own, each other's company. And, and, and dare I say it... Character development. Yes. God. I mean, it, it sets up the heist. It sets up the job that you were doing. Ooh, sorry, you... sorry, sorry, I've got another swear word that I need to get out here, Mike. Complex emotions. But don't say it too loud, because the Americans will scream at me and say, Ah, oh, what? No. Oh, they'll, they've upgraded it now. Sorry, that was very insulting. They've, no, upgraded, but... they've upgraded the rating. Oh, right. Because you said that. No, but the thing is, the reason I say that, and I know that's mocking a a group of people I don't know, and you know what, it wasn't actually meant as real mocking, but the thing is, for me, and I know I'm going to go off topic here for a minute, so just bear with me, a film has to have character development and reasons to invest in a story and indeed characters, otherwise I don't see the point of seeing it. That that is screenwriting one oh one. It is. I, I saw um I, I with Derek recently we I spoke about two films with him. We talked about Wonder Woman, which I thought was a pile of wank, and I talked about the Red Turtle. The Red Turtle yeah. has exactly four lines of dialogue in it which are just the words hey <laughs> You don't know anything about the characters in the Red Turtle. You don't know why they're there. You don't know how they got that, and you don't even know their names. And yet, I cared more deeply about that one character who I'd never met before and didn't know anything about far more than I did anyone in Wonder Woman. And honestly, I would urge you to see the Red Turtle. If you have the chance to go and see it, please I mean, find it. I mean, Swiss Army Man has more character development for Daniel Radcliffe's character, who is dead. <laughs> He's dead in the movie. You never Sorry, see him that, alive. That, that, that's a reference going over my head there. Do you want to explain that one? Swiss Army Man is a film with Daniel Radcliffe and uh, Paul Dano. And Daniel Radcliffe plays a corpse. Oh, I think I've seen a poster for that. I've just never seen it. Yeah. And, as I say... They give him more. They give the corpse more character development in Swiss Army Man than any other characters in the 2003 remake of the same name of the Italian job. Yeah. Um. And you know when you're giving a corpse more character development than the entire cast of one movie, there's something wrong with that. There something is inherently wrong. And it's sad, you know. I mean that's I mean that that's all I can say is that, you know the writers on the 2003 version. Um, I'm just going to briefly look them up. 
because I'm not sure if we're entirely familiar with with their credits of with their body of work. Um, however, let me see. Donna Powers is one half of the screenwriting duo. Um, she's known for her work on the Italian Job, Deep Blue Sea, and Valentine. Uh, let's see, writing credits. She wrote the screenplay, obviously with her ex-husband Wayne, for the Italian Job, as well as the video game. Why haven't we had the original video game? I want the original video game, damn it. Um, Deep Blue Sea, which had a great death scene for Samuel L. Jackson. And that's it, really. I've not seen or heard of Valentine. And the only other really major writing credits on her resume is three episodes of The Equalizer <laughs> and two episodes of Cagney and Lacey. And the only thing I really know of Gary F. Gray, um, was sorry, F. Gary Gray, rather, um, is uh, Compton, which admittedly was very good, and, you know, it it, it was a decent... Uh, it, it he was... also directed um, the, the Negotiator. And he's going to be doing The Face of the Furious. Well, I, I mean, everyone gets a track of directing one oh, of those on, movies already, now. Hang on, that's been done, hasn't it? That's already out. He did the Fate of the Furious. Uh, yeah, every everyone everyone gets a crack at Derek and one of those. <laughs> it it's it's basically Hollywood tradition. I've been told on the Laura Biding Citizen that it Derek, wasn't it's... terrible. What's that? Apparently Fate of the Furious wasn't terrible. I don't know. I I haven't seen any of them since the second. <laughs> and yes, this is relevant because it's got Jason Statham in it. And it's got Charlie's Ferron in it. He directed Be Cool. That was terrible. Oh come on! He had The Rock as a gay as a gay cowboy. In comparison to Get Shorty, that was it was awful. Come on. It was yeah. <laughs> um, A Man Apart, which was actually a decent film, and also had a what's his name, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel, who was actually quite good in Boiler Room. But anyway, I'm going to call time on it there, because we're not talking about the Italian job anymore. Uh, we're just talking about and films that interlinked. I'm certainly not talking about the 2003 film no, of the same name. We are not. So, <coughs> unless you've got any more thoughts, Mike, I think we'll wrap it up there for this week. I think we will. Um, I think what I'm, going to, what I'm going to wrap up by saying it is, by all means, watch... The 2003 version. Take it on to my own merits. Um, if you enjoy it, great. If you don't, even better. Doesn't It doesn't bother me either way. But please, 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 I implore you all, if you haven't seen the 1969 version, go and watch it. Just take yourself away. It's not gonna take you long. It's less, it's it's not a, not an overly long movie. It never outstays its welcome. Thankfully, um, let me just see. I I want to see now how long it is because I think, I think it's, it's not half at the most. It's not much over that, I don't think. Um, however, we shall see. Uh, once it once the page loads, 
Uh, an hour and thirty-nine minutes. How long the film should be, really? It's a, it's a nice, it's a civilized amount of time. It, as I say, it doesn't outstay its welcome, and you get great actors, great characters, some great lines, fantastic scenery, and of course, you get the proper original <laughs> mini. Yeah. Not the German version. That's what it's really being called, the German job. Agreed. Agreed. Okay, yeah, well, we will we will call it time there, I think. Um, I'm sorry to everyone listening that this wasn't as structured as our usual podcasts are. Um, I personally oh, didn't... I podcasts personally, aren't you, they're not usually structured. I think they're reasonably Who are you kidding? <laughs> I, I personally didn't make any notes for either film apart from my random shoutings when I was watching um, the film initially. Um, and the truth is, I think this is a film that you just have to experience. I, what um, I found interesting was no. I knew when you were watching this because you put a post on Facebook saying, this isn't bad so far. <laughs> and I just thought, wait for it. <laughs> And then I think I followed it up two hours later with that was god awful. <laughs> now, the way I comment on this, asking Chris who forced him into into, into watching this movie, <laughs> and I said he's done it himself. He yes. chose it. I'm, and he's made me have to sit through it as well. I am quite expecting. To have Claire laugh at me at the next film at the next film meetup, I've got to say I, I know that Claire is going to have a go at me for it. Um, I'm quite so she should. <laughs> well, thank you for listening, everybody. Assuming you have, um, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please consider subscribing on iTunes because we are now on iTunes these days. Um, we can also be found on SoundCloud, so please consider following. Please also listen to the Iconochromatic um, podcast hosted by Derek and myself, where we talk about most recent op- uh, most recent releases. Um, me, partly me, partly Mike. I'm going to share the blame around here. We've been a bit off on our recording schedules recently, but I, I think look personally, I would like to try and get back to doing at least one every two weeks. Yeah, we're going we, to tighten our belt on this one, folks, and, and knock it down. Admittedly, we have done two in the past week to be uh, in the past um, week and a half. To be fair, this won't actually be going out next Sunday. We'll be going out next Sunday, so we'll be sort of back on schedule. So hopefully, we will get back to normal schedule. And with that, I will say thank you for listening. Good night, and thank you as ever for joining me, Mike. You have been listening to Sunday Afternoon Cinema, which is a recorded podcast. The podcast was hosted by myself and Mike Larkin. The podcast was recorded, produced and edited by myself, Mr. Windsor. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider subscribing on iTunes or following on SoundCloud. Thank you for listening.